Oh my gosh. Look at us. Here we are. Me living with my mom. <laughs> you living in New Mexico. Living the dream. Living the good old American dream. <gasps> oh my god. Was that your wine glass? No, it was the wine bottle that's now <laughs> empty because this is how hard our job is. Gosh. I lost track of what I was saying. Ugh, can you tell we're delinquents, baby? <laughs> this is Hello. the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder and mystery while getting, I don't know what's a rhymy word for drunk that begins with an M, but... If you're thinking of it, that's what we're doing. My name is Kristen. And my name is Sarah. Welcome to the shit show that is this podcast. Yeah, so Kristen, what got you into the into the true crime paranormal hmm. mystery universe? Well, my grandma loved me and showed me the wonderful life of deadly women which is a show that rocked my world one because go feminism it's a show all about how women can be murderers too and two it was such a nice way to bond but honestly uh yeah just seeing the murderous ways that women work was thrilling terrifying and mesmerizing i mean i couldn't get enough what would you say your draw into the spooky realm was i grew up watching scary movies and love going to haunted houses and you know i always put myself out there and told the spirit world i was open to receiving any kind of signs or you know of that nature, but I've never had a spiritual or ghostly experience, I'd say. Um, but that stuff just intrigues me, you know, it excites me. So I'm excited to be talking about that kind of stuff with you. And I do love gore, so. Um, You're a little gore girl. Gore girl. <laughs> so does that mean, I don't think I've ever asked you before, does that mean that you believe in ghosts if you're like open to the spiritual realm? Yeah, I think it's a gray area where I can't, uh, you know, be like, I fully believe. It's more of a, I'm definitely with almost anything. I'm a see it to believe it person and so to fully say I believe I'd have to experience something but I am open to it so I can't full-on say I'm against the ideas you know Ooh, that's such a good answer you're such a politician oh come on 
I'd get, I'd get, if, if I ever, no, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I would just like grunt. <laughs> it's okay now. <laughs> like a Tina Belcher grunt. Oh, yes, the, uh... <laughs> couple different ones she no. taps in but you know i'm sure we'll hear that through many times of the podcast when things get scary you're just gonna hear me in the corner going eh. <laughs> yeah no i think uh i don't know if i believe in ghosts honestly like i would like to think that i would be the big person and like i'd go into a haunted place and be like what mess with me like you won't you won't (laughs) but then as soon as things start going down i'd be like oh oh no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry you're you're real yeah i'm afraid you know now that i think of it i could maybe say i have a story because one time when i was home alone i was probably in like fourth or fifth grade and uh, I was watching Nickelodeon, SpongeBob. Good old Nickelodeon. Oh, to be exact. Even better. Even <laughs> and better. The little hallway bathroom. So I was sitting there watching TV, and I hear the sink faucet turn on for a couple seconds and then turn off. And I was sitting there, and I just look over my shoulder, and I just like look back and continue watching SpongeBob. I was like, "That's weird, but okay." But no one else was home, and it and I, but it was an apartment complex, and I know the plumbing and stuff can be crazy. So who knows? I actually also, when I was younger, had I guess it would be like the only kind of experience, I guess you could say. But in my mind, I was just like too young and naive to know what was going on, and I was just like I guess still asleep in my brain, but. At my old house, we lived at, like, so there was a long hallway, and then at the end of the hallway on either side of it, there were rooms. So my room was on the right, and we had, like, our computer room, basically, because it was just me and my mom, and it was a three-bedroom house. So the third bedroom was our computer room, and it was right across from my room. And one night, I had, like, two of my friends sleeping over... And the computer door room was open and my bedroom door was open. And I had gotten up before anyone else. And when I woke up, I had gotten out of my bed and, like, went to move out of the door. And as soon as I got in the view of the doorway, I looked over. And in the computer room, like, as soon as you enter the computer room, it's a desk and a chair. And in that chair, it looked like there was someone sitting, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, I don't know how to, it was the weirdest thing. It was like a, looked like basically like a man in a black, like morph suit. Is that the right word? Like those uh, suits that people wear and they like cling to your body and it's like, they come in like green or whatever and people wear them to be funny, but it literally looked like it was just this person wearing like an all black clingy bodysuit 
just sitting there, like, kind of passed out, like, they were waiting, and I just kind of was just like, okay, yeah, and, like, closed the door and went back to bed. I really didn't know what to do, but I, like, even telling that story now, I feel really silly saying it, because I'm like, no, there's no way, but I don't know, like, it's was probably a dream but it seemed so vivid i'm like what if your house was being robbed oh no (laughs) i would believe (laughs) no i would say like indian cemetery underneath for sure i mean it's texas there's got to be something going on always it did not look all the way human i was freaked out Are you wondering how two drunk delinquents were able to get a podcast? Well, don't worry, because so are we. But with Anchor, making a podcast has become easier than ever before. Anchor is free and distributes your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It even has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And with Anchor, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership needed. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place, so now there's no excuse to follow your dreams of being just like us. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Go team! (laughs) What are you talking about today, Kristen? So today I'm giving a fucking doozy-woozy of a case, um... Shout out to my friend Clara. She actually gave me the idea to do this case uh, right before she was about to go to Vermont to part of the Appalachian Trail. And as we were going on a hike, kind of giving her a little bit of a training exercise before she left, she turned to me and she said, hey, did I ever tell you about the murder that just happened up there? And I was like, what? (laughs) What? And you're about to go? And yeah, she started to get into the gist of what it was. And I was obsessed because one, we go camping. This is something that we have done in the past, not on the Appalachian Trail. We are by no means professionals, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely like to camp. And hearing this story, I had many, many heart attacks. But yeah, this is, <laughs> this one's crazy. It is... Just no way to start other than the beginning. So we'll just get right into it. Um, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I am either, honestly, but we will hold each other's hands and try our best. (laughs) So uh, I can't do simple math at the time. This guy's 30. So 30 years before 2019, whatever math that is, the year's 19 something. To friends and family, they knew James Jordan as JJ. He was a childish and somewhat damaged boy. Um, They said that he would fall asleep watching Animal Planet at night because he was afraid of the dark. Yeah. Uh, So he was just a little kid looking for some structure in his life. Uh, He did have a very troubled childhood when he was growing up. Um, He did not know much of his father, He did die of a drug overdose when he was six, but the short time that he was in Jordan's life, it it was horrifying. Uh, At one point, the dad was rumored to have told the mom that he would, told uh, told the mom that he would kill her, chop her up, 
when Jordan was just a baby. And yeah, the mom, on the other hand, was a pretty heavy drinker and just kind of, I guess, stuck to the bottle and didn't really mother. Uh, it was rumored that Jordan would roam around without any supervision and he would often like stay at friend's house at times. He wouldn't really be home all that often. Uh, just kind of like out on the road doing his own thing. Um, he does have a younger brother who denies this later on in articles. So it's kind of hard to get a clear picture of how it was, but I can imagine that it wasn't very far off from what we're reading. Um, so to the neighbors around, he was a really sweet and fragile boy with a budding guitar and he just really didn't want to be alone in life. He was really looking for someone, I guess, to latch onto and feel like he was loved by. Um, but that fragileness quickly grew off as he got older. He began drinking and using marijuana regularly when he was 13 or 14 and started his career as a criminal by breaking into cars. And I believe he was tried in the juvenile court later on whenever that happened. Uh, so not that smoking weed or drinking is bad, but you definitely, yeah. one shouldn't probably be doing it at 13 and two, you shouldn't be breaking into cars either. <laughs> just, just maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of increased fighting at the household at this time. As you can imagine, uh, my mom would fucking kill me if I broke or if I freaking broke into a car and stole it. So yeah, it wasn't a happy place. The neighbors said that there was a lot of fighting going on. Um, the mom would often like force Jordan out of the apartment, like kick him out. It was getting so bad to the point where the mom actually told the management at the apartment complex, like, hey, here's a photo of my son. Do not let this guy in, <laughs> which, I mean, yeah, that that just says enough in itself. But then she kind of, like, goes back on her word and in his bouts of clarity when I guess he was more of a subtle dude, she would try to sneak him back into the apartment complex and would have to, like, hide him out from management. So... The relationship is very, like, up and down, not stable whatsoever. And um, I guess at this time, he started experiencing a lot of, like, bouts with his mental illness, which is, I guess, one of the main causes for why they were fighting in the house. Uh, Dustin, which is Jordan's younger brother, said that he would often, like, trash the house. He refused to seek counseling, uh, on a Facebook post, he said, like, he was and is to this day just an insane and terrible person. My mother tried and tried, but there's only so much you can do before someone becomes a lost cause, which, I mean, in America, I can understand, like, if you are in a low-income household and someone is mentally ill or if there's a medical need that needs to be taken care of, like, you don't have the $5,000 to throw them into a facility or to try and get them treatment or to try and do this and that. So I can understand where the headway was and where the anger was within that house. But yeah, just definitely uh, kicking your mentally ill child out, I don't think is the best solution to that. But it gets a little worse. So at one point, the mom and the younger brother actually moved to Winoski, Vermont. Do not come for me. I know I probably said that wrong, but... Winooski. Winooski. <laughs> Winooski, Vermont. Uh, they left without him. So, like, they literally just one day, I guess, when he was out and about, like, picked up their shit and left. 
and I don't know if he came to an empty house or, like, if they told him that they were leaving. It's kind of, like, gray as to what happened because he didn't go with them right away, but eventually they say around the time that he was 16, he made his way up to that little W-name town and that's where he resided for a little bit. So they ended up moving into a housing complex with 16 apartments around and he actually became really close with one of the teenage boys living at the apartment complex with him. And the mom, I guess, kind of like realizing the situation that his home life may have been, she actually decided to take him in and said that she would cook him meals and that Jordan would sit there and just like be in awe of like the meatloaf and the mashed potatoes and like everything that he would make her. He would be like, I just eat ingredients. Like I didn't even know you could make meals. And I'm like, you sit in the corner and you eat salt? Like, what does ingredients mean? But I guess, yeah, he just, like, had never had a home-cooked meal. So he was very grateful for that. And she said that, um, for the most part, he seemed, like, fairly happy when he was over there. But it's hard to tell. Um, But over time, I guess those bouts of happiness and clarity became really less and less in between. And his behavior was becoming way more erratic as time went on. Um, So it said that they grew his hair long and shaggy and painted his nails black, which I'm like, I know you people can't see, but Sarah can see my nails are black. So, okay, rude. Like, what the fuck are you trying to tell me? But (laughs) um, he would spend his time out in Winooski, whatever, selling marijuana. Um, He would walk around at night, like, all around the town, just basically saying, like, he wanted to beat someone up. Uh, He did have a group of friends that hung out with him quite often, I guess, while he was in that town. And one of the friends actually said that uh, one of the times that he was hanging out with Jordan, they were making, making their way down to a pond out in the woods when Jordan saw a frog that was propped up on a rock. He went over to the frog and nonchalantly like picked it up he put it on the ground he then proceeded to lift his foot and stomp the frog to death yeah and once he was done with that he got a switchblade out and started to tear the animals apart which major red flag in my mind if if you're torturing animals at any point in your early life you need counseling, hands down. Red flag. Red flag. McDonald's little triad. Like, do not... Don't try to tell me that something's not wrong. There, you, you... Yeah. It's classic... 100%. Classic, like, Jeffrey Dahmer. You just don't... Don't do that shit. Um, That was the last time that that friend said that he hung out with Jordan. And, I mean, rightfully so. I do not blame him for doing that. But everyone around him was starting to see that he was slowly deteriorating, including the mom, which at this point she basically said, like, I have had enough of you and just bought him a little tent from some store and said good luck. His mom or the mom that took him in? His actual mom. I, okay. I, yeah. I forget her name. I, um, I believe it's like Dane or something like that. Diane. But yeah, his actual, Jordan's actual mom decided that the mental illness was too much for her to handle and he just pretty much had to be on on his own at that point. So he finds himself homeless. 
He starts to float around and continues to sell drugs. Um, He continues to be really paranoid, really angry, really quick to set off. And everyone around is kind of like, you know, that's, that's just JJ. That's just James. I mean, like, yeah, maybe he did a little bit too many drugs when he was young and it made him a little kooky, but like, that's just who he is. But things went to a headway at the winter of 2011. Right before his 22nd birthday, there was a call to police in Shelburne, Vermont, where he was at a day's in and refused to vacate the premises. So, um, the police officers enter, it's pretty much like a nuisance call. They're just trying to get him to leave. And as they enter the room, he like has all of his items and his things like propped and like barricaded near a door. And they find him, like, laying on the ground just talking to himself. So, clearly, someone who's not in the right state of mind. They try to get him to leave, and he ends up telling the police, like, I have a pound of marijuana in my car, and I stole a cell phone from the front desk. Like, what are you going to do about it? Okay. Yeah. The police are like, well, give the cell phone back, but I mean... I want to smoke that weed in the evidence locker <laughs> later, so we're going to have to take you to jail for that. So they end up arresting him, and he spends, like, a barely any time, just a few days in jail, and they end up releasing him. Uh, I believe he drove to that day's in and, like, had a car. He left the car, like, left his life, and pretty much just, like, kind of went MIA. No one knew where he went after a while. He was just kind of in a daze. He had a friend at one point. Uh, I believe her name was Marguerite Tynan, Tynan, um, who found him, like, pupils dilated or, like, pinholed, like, really tiny pupils just walking around shirtless, mumbling, like, words mixed with, like, little Wayne rap lyrics. So, <laughs> <laughs> she said, like, it was the craziest thing she had ever heard to come out of someone's mouth and, like, it didn't even sound like a language. He was just, like, yeah. So, um... She, but, oh, so before, I guess before the friend had found him, he had actually went back to the apartment complex after uh, he got out of jail and had actually went to the woman who used to take him in at that apartment complex. So not his mom, but the uh, other woman who, his his friend's mom. Um, she opened the door and he was like babbling about ravens and gods and the devil. And she's like, Okay, honey, yeah, you wait here just one, just one second, just wait one second. Grabbed her fucking keys and took him to the University of Vermont Medical Center where she went to go and try and get him a mental evaluation. Tried to get him some help. Like, obviously, she yeah. knew something was wrong. Um, they, good for her. Yeah. They, there are a lot of people that try to do good by him, like, see that he's clearly struggling, and uh, they end up sending him to another inpatient facility where he can try and get treated and whatnot, he ends up signing himself out. Which, what? Yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but I feel like if you're, uh, if you're threatening, if you're being violent, and you get put into an inpatient facility, or like if you go to the hospital because you're acting mentally unstable, you shouldn't be allowed to sign yourself out. I, I don't know. I need to read the laws, but it's. Maybe we should change. I don't know. It 
And so the friend Marguerite finds him. He's singing Little Wayne out in the middle of nowhere, shirtless. So she takes him <laughs> in. Uh, he continues with his delusions. He She has a boyfriend that lives with her at the time. And he is, like, spouting some government conspiracy nonsense, basically saying, like, her boyfriend was working for the government and was trying to kill him or something like that. And, yeah, it was just really being crazy. She He didn't want to take the medication that the hospital had given him. I think he had told her at one point um, that he was diagnosed with pi- bipolar disorder, which, I mean, he very well could have, but... The signs that he's showing, I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor. I took one course of psychology in college, (laughs) but it sounds like he has schizophrenia as the more you go on. And like when you hear the things he's doing, like, I don't know, but it seems to me like this guy is deep in the midst of a paranoid schizophrenic episode. It's yeah the paranoia yeah he and it's like the hearing voices a lot of like uh you think that someone's like the government's watching you or something like that i don't know that may be very naive of me but i they're watching yeah they are fucking watching you everywhere you go so i guess like the friend tries to talk him down and at some point he kind of discovers that like hey i like to hitchhike and so he kind of like begins to yeah he kind of like begins to find his own and he like goes to california he'll go to florida he'll go wherever like he'll just go around and he seems cool and he's like kind of happy but at the same time like he's battling these huge mental episodes i don't even know the proper word he's just going through some shit and he's not getting the proper help for it And so he's just kind of, like, digging himself deeper and deeper into this hole. Uh, So this happens, like, around 2011. He starts hitchhiking. Nothing really pops back up in articles about him until June of 2013. And so he gets arrested in Barnstable County on three separate occasions, like, within the span of a week. So... Boy is coming back full throttle. He's like, oh, no one's heard of my name in a minute. Okay, let me give you something to fucking talk about. One of the arrests that happened was for staggering shirtless, loves to take his clothes off in the middle of Route 28, and he was fleeing from police while screaming incoherently. Incoherently. Uh, Another time he was at Cape Cod Hospital. I couldn't really find why he was at the hospital for whatever reason he was there. Um, He was freaking out and insisted that whatever shot that they were trying to give him was like a lethal injection and that these people were here Mm -hmm. to kill him and that he needed to be saved. So I guess they get him out of the hospital and then literally the next day, less than 24 hours, he... The police get another call to say, hey, there's a man now walking naked. He not only has his shirt, but his pants off. And he's walking around near Cape Cod Airfield, which, yeah, you just can't do. So, a a judge finally orders a mental health evaluation on this guy. And, like, you would think, okay, fine, cool, here's where the story ends. But, of course, no, this is an episode on a murder and fucking weird ass podcast so it does not Mm -hmm. end here the judge or whoever had evaluated this dude 
found him to be mentally competent and released him. Wow. Yeah, well, that is not the worst part. There was an audio recording of this court session that had happened over the mental state of him during this time that all three of these arrests had happened. They have been destroyed. As in, there's zero voice particles out in the world of this recording. Like, they completely destroyed it. There's no way for you to go back. Basically, they're, like, covering their fucking tracks is what you're telling me. As soon as you destroy something, like, you're guilty. Doesn't matter how you spin it. yeah. And they will, uh, you'll only get more questions. (laughs) It gets bad. (laughs) So... Uh, he decides after that to go over to Florida. He gets arrested for theft, of course. And, uh, he kind of, like, goes back onto this trail of petty crime. And he's hitchhiking and he's going around. Um, and I'm sure he's doing really crazy shit. Like, I could probably go on. Excuse me. Goddamn. Bear is not, bear is not the story drinking choice. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, there is, I could probably, like, literally make an entire episode of just the crazy shit that this guy did, but, um, pretty much the next real significant event happens in January of 2018, where he, uh, is going, I actually don't know the location, but he's hanging out with a group of friends, and one of his, uh, so he's hanging out with a group of friends, and one of the friends in the group is actually named Squid. Which, Squid! Squid! He got a fucking cool ass name, bro. Sorry for what happens to you because Jordan. Oh. Yeah, so Jordan, uh, I guess they get into an altercation. It's not said what the altercation was about. And they're standing right next to a fire, and Jordan's like, fuck this, Squid. I'm about to turn you into calamari, and fucking <laughs> pushes him in the fire and gives this guy, like, First, second degree burns, like, all over his arms, his chest, his legs. I mean, like... Who knew? Rightfully traumatized this man. Wait, so he lived? Yeah, he lived. Oh, good. He lived, and Jordan pretty much got away scot-free. Like, nothing fucking happened to him, which I... It's okay. It's not okay, but we'll go on. So, um, you don't really hear... After January of 2018, everything... He's probably still doing shit, but it dies down a little bit. Now, uh, we don't really hear from him in my research again until March 2nd of 2019, where uh, his mom actually dies. So she dies on March 2nd of lung cancer. And when Jordan's brother, Justin, reaches out to him to let him know, like, hey, uh, mom died. You need to come home and, you know, go to her funeral. All he had to say to that was... I'm, like, one, I'm not going, and two, like, it's shitty, have a nice life. And then he skipped out on the funeral and basically made his way onto the Appalachian Trail from there, and he entered through Tennessee. Which, believe it or not, like, this is where the story actually, like, begins. (laughs) Right. And what states does the trail go through again? So I did... Because it's huge, right? It's fucking huge. I know you'll probably say it later, but... It's literally my next point. So 
Okay. The Appalachian Trail is a beautiful trail that spreads out over 2,200 miles. I did look if we ever have anyone in Canada or Europe or wherever else that is curious. That is 3,500 kilometers. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So it is just like a huge trail that goes out through the eastern U.S. and it spreads over 14 states. I Oh my. Yeah, I didn't want to bore y'all saying each of them. You can Wikipedia it just like I did, but it sees more than 2 million people out on the trail each year. So very popular trail, very big ass trail. Um, that's That's a lot of steps. Dude, I walk out to my mailbox. Yeah, I uh, I don't walk and that's it. So <laughs> it's not good. So the guy gets out on the trail sometime after his uh, mom's death in March of March 2nd. Uh, but we don't really hear about him on the trail until April 1st of 2019. So Larry Smith is uh, one of the first people to encounter him on the trail. I don't know if he was a trail angel or not, but so basically when you're on the trail, they have these people that they call trail angels out on the trail and they hand hikers food, they hand them water, they will give them, you know, advice and just are being genuinely like good fucking people and trying to Mm -hmm. create a real good sense of community because that's really what... uh, this trail is all about like they have a really really deep sense of we're a family you know we don't judge unless you're mentally insane but you can come here and like find yourself and that's what everyone everyone has like a similar goal in mind when you go out onto this trail so it's a it's a really awesome community to be a part of so Whenever Larry Smith interacts with Jordan, instead of calling him a trail angel, he immediately dubs him the fight angel. And that's due to, yeah, that's due to his constant need to want to get into a fight has not changed much from his childhood at all. Um, So I believe this happened on April 1st, but Smith said that uh, all of the campers were or all of the hikers were gathered at a shelter, which, um, as you hike along the trail, they have a lot of random shelters that hikers can sleep at. So basically, I I believe I've seen one in like a YouTube video because hello, I don't exercise. I have not been on the Appalachian Trail, but I've seen a video of it. And from what I saw in the clip, it was, um, it's, basically like a house with like one solid wall so it's like one solid wall a little roof and then like some wooden posts and then Uh, like a pavilion almost yeah sure whatever that is so it has and like on the wall it has maybe like a big step that's wide enough for like people to lay on and sleep on and it's basically just like a covered area for hikers to go and you can like meet other hikers on the trail you have a covered place to sleep it's it's just like a convenient place for everyone to gather so they the hikers were gathered around at one of the shelters uh i believe it was a partnership shelter in marion what's va fuck it's virginia good old virginia (laughs) so There uh, was a huge campfire out that the hikers were gathered around and Jordan actually uh, went over to this campfire, proceeded to 
pour alcohol into the fire. So, like, making the flames go, like, fucking huge. Okay, first of all, what a waste of alcohol. That could have gone into my mouth, sir. Yeah. Come on. It's, yeah. It's such a fucking, yeah, don't even talk to me about it. Um... So he makes the flames go crazy. People are like, what the actual fuck? And then he, like, starts running around screaming about how he's going to burn the shelter down. So his first night out on the trail is off to an amazing start. He is becoming quite a popular man out on the trail. He's making a very great impression among everyone. Of course, the police were called. And, of course, when they get there, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what happens next after this first encounter is literally pure terror that spreads over a hundred. So this guy walks 150 miles through Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee during trail peak season for the next like month. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's a long, that's a. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks. I'm bad at time and distance perception so yeah sounds like a lot it's a long time i mean well the 150 miles i walk a fucking mile and i think i have ran a marathon so no i can't imagine that but i wonder what kind of shoes he was wearing is that weird no so apparently one of the people that had saw him out on the trail said that he like didn't have any gear at all he so he did have a dog with him he had a dog out on the trail her name was Felicia. Hi. Oh, Felicia. Hi, Felicia. Yes, she was a good girl. I didn't. I don't know what kind of breed she was or anything like that, but he had the dog out on the trail with him, and the dog seemed to be wearing more clothes than he. She had a little, <laughs> <laughs> she had a little service vest on, which um, I guess some people thought was weird. I don't know. And, like, he didn't start the trail with a dog, right? I think he did it's kind of hard to say like where the dog comes into play because the dog just kind of like pops up randomly the dog kind of in in my research just pops up out of nowhere but he does have a dog with him out on the trail he also gives himself the trail name sovereign and calls himself the captain of the hit squad so fucking cool bro and apparently it's like you can't uh give yourself your trail name you have to it has to, like, be given to you. Earn it. Yeah, you, you earn your shit out on the trail, man, so. What do you think mine would be? Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall. Uh, it would fucking be Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm trying to think. I'm like, shit, what would mine be? It would be, like, wine lip. <laughs> <laughs> I literally went on a hike the other day with uh, one of my friends, and it was after one of our first failed recordings, and... <laughs> I like, I'm like, oh, this is such a beautiful view. And then I have the biggest smile on my face. And she's like, I can see the wine you drank last night right on your face. I'm like, you know what, girl? I'm out here doing productive shit. You don't tell me how I lived my night before. So uh, the Sovereign isn't seen really until like April 17th, I guess. I believe he's like still having really crazy experiences with random people, but... We don't get interviews with them. Um, There was a Channel News 11 reporter by the name of Kristen Gallant. She had actually, like, ran into a couple 
that had repeated or allegedly saw Jordan out on the trail starting on the 17th and like had seen him three other times and we're talking about like how each time they saw him he was progressively getting fucking worse um yeah they were saying how he would hiss at uh people like a cat yeah (laughs) i can only imagine (laughs) i just i imagine my cat like literally in the corners going (laughs) (laughs) because that's the only sound i've ever fucking heard him make is right when he's about to ruin my floors but uh yeah he's just doing weird shit uh one of the girls in the interview had actually said that she had was walking down a hill to get water and she had separated from her group of fellow hikers and jordan actually followed her down there i don't know if she knew that he was in the area but he yeah just like fucking did the little homer simpson pops up out of a bush and was like hey girl can i get you a free drink and she picks up a rock and is like fuck you and turns around and runs back to camp so thankfully nothing happens yeah they get the fuck out of dodge and uh don't really encounter him after that but there or maybe this happened to them too but there were definitely hikers (laughs) out on the 19th he was spotted at a shelter near hot springs uh disturbing a group of again hikers that had went to set up camp for the night he actually approached them And this is where shit gets crazy. So he somehow managed to find a knife out on the trail. Mm. And uh, it's some reports. It says 17 inches. The other reports, it says 20. So that's a big ass knife. It's like people mistake it for a machete. So it's Uh it's literally it's bigger than my fucking foot. And like you don't even know. I would take my machete, to be honest. I mean, I would definitely take a knife out into the woods, because, like, bears. But (laughs) 17, I'm like, where do you, where do you put it? You walk around (laughs) naked a lot. Where is that going when you take your pants off? So (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it gets a little crazy. He takes out this huge ass knife and proceeds to uh, stab a camper sleeping bag. Yeah, but the camper is not in the sleeping bag, just to, okay. yeah, it's not yet, not yet. The camper's uh, not in the sleeping bag. He's, like, sitting across the fire, just, like, looking horrified, like, yo, are you gonna give me money for that? That was a kind of expensive bag. Uh, right. He takes the logbook that the shelter has and throws it into the fire and then proceeds to defecate all over the site. Oh. Yeah. For those that don't know, poop. <laughs> he pooped everywhere. Um, that, like, what did he eat? What the fuck did you eat to poop all... I have a problem pooping more than one time a day, and you're telling me that this man who has been out on the trail for, like, over two weeks at this point managed to eat enough where he could defecate all over his shelter? Like, holy shit. Um... Yeah, so, of course, the cops were called. Uh, They did not find him. He left. um, And I believe this was mainly happening in Madison County at this point. Uh, They were getting a lot of calls about a dude with a fucking machete because he's carrying around a 17 to 20 inch knife. Um, So they are going out on the trail quite frequently trying to find this guy, like, 
he has is becoming such a nuisance that people are literally hopping on their little trail apps and like letting the community know like hey watch out for this dude he is crazy he's saying violent things he's starting to do violent things like this guy is trouble and they're going to the departments like these different departments and saying like why are we not why are you not doing anything about this why isn't anything being done and so the Madison County Sheriff Department goes out there and they actually find him so they find him they tap him down they find the knife on him and they're like oh well this is a 17 inch knife but it's not a machete you know we're we're looking for oh my god we're looking for a guy with a machete and this isn't it so technically this could not be you, da-da-da-da-da, whatever the fuck they tell themselves to make themselves feel better at night because they find him and let him go. Then Uh. they basically said, like, it's really common for hunters to carry knives, and when they searched him, they didn't find drugs. And... Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. That's the reason. That's the reason that they let this guy off, so... Yeah, a couple of days later, he is back on the trail waving said knife that the cops looked at, and he's asking for uh, hikers to give them a password to get through, like, this really, (laughs) this really fucking tiny opening uh, to enter a trail at, it's called the Devil's Fork Gap. It's just, like, a place that sits along the Tennessee and North Carolina border, and it's, like, a super narrow entrance onto this trail and he's just standing at the entrance waving his knife he's like what's the password what you gonna do (laughs) wrong if if you give me the wrong word you're gonna get a little stabby stab it's like i would oh my god i would turn around and go home like i i'm not dealing with that i mean i i think i would try and guess something a password what would your what would your guess be um, assuming he looked kind of wild and dirty and uh, crazy-eyed, I would, you know, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is bloodbath, but I doubt that would be his, I feel like it would be maybe a little Wayne lyric <laughs> or something. It's the fireman, fire, the fireman. <laughs> That is the only word I know, and I think I still got it wrong. <laughs> you know what? I My money's on it. It's a little Wayne lyric, so... Right. <laughs> He's, yeah, brandishing this knife, like, fucking waving it around at uh, the Devil's Fork Gap. Uh, I believe they call cops. No one is fucking coming, or they come and they can't find him. Typical... The very next day, he is at a road crossing where the trail angels trail angels are out handing food and water to the through hikers. Um, and again, I believe they call the cops. They come, still can't find him. And then later that day, he gets a call. So the now we're at a different part of the trail. So this is the Unicoi, I believe, County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they got a call saying that in Sam's Gap on Old Asheville Highway that there was some crazy guy walking around and that someone needed to come pick homeboy up. So (laughs) the officers go down to the highway and once they get there, they see Jordan. He matches the description that everyone has been giving them and they decide to stop and pull him aside 
and do a search on him and they find a fake ID, uh, marijuana, and they say other drug paraphernalia items, which I know he's mentally ill, but he also has to be taking some pretty hard drugs in my mind to be acting. Well, who knows? I don't know. Paraphernalia just means like pipes or rolling papers or... Fuck, I need to... Like stuff you use to smoke the weed. Oh. See, I need to go back to law school. I don't know shit. And it needs to be used in order to be... Considered. Admittable. Admissible. Whatever. Yeah. So, finally, finally on the 22nd, this guy gets arrested. And they charge him with the fake ID. They charge him with the marijuana and the paraphernalia drug uh, charges. But that is it. No harassment. No... I don't know what you can charge. And this dude has a... Well, he has, he has like, a slight record. He has a... So why wouldn't... He has a rap sheet. It's not like this guy hasn't (laughs) ever been in jail before. But I don't know if, like, the communication out on the trail or just like between departments in general, like I have heard about in cases and I can assume even more so on the reality side of it is that like, just they don't fucking communicate with each other. And another thing that I was uh, reading about when I was doing research on this is I guess whenever the incident happened because it was like at a national park and because it happened, I guess, within like so many jurisdictions that the FBI actually took over the case and I guess was the one like handling everything from there. So I don't know, but either way he gets arrested on the 22nd. They charge him with that and hikers are fucking ecstatic. I mean, like they're celebrating. They, there's a sense of ease out on the trail like this, is an accepting community of people literally trying to find themselves. And it's not the culture of the trail to have, like, confrontation or to have, like, people... Yeah, you get knives, but, like, for people to carry a gun or for people to carry knives in a really violent manner where you're going up and, like, threatening to stab someone. So it's... It's good to have things... safe. Yeah, it's good to have things back to normal. Like, they finally felt like they were being recognized as, like hey, people out here are in danger with him on the trail, so you need to get him off. So, yeah, a fog had been lifted from the shitty stuff that had been happening recently. But, of course, it was short-lived. This episode is not done just yet. Uh, He was being held in Unicoi, I believe I'm saying that right, county jail. He was held on a $25,000 bond. But then he was released on probation, like, seven days later. Oh. Yeah. They got, like, a week of peace before they let him go. And they said, like, don't go on the trail. But, of course, what the fuck do you think he does but goes right back on the trail? Um, Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't motherfucking stop. Try me, bitch. But (laughs) they... The cops' reasoning for this was basically to say, like, none of the hikers were willing to press charges or to testify in court. Like, they weren't going to stop their journey to go take time out of their day to sit at a trial and, like, say all the of the things that he did. And at that point, their hands were tied and there was really nothing that they could do other than charge him with the petty crimes. But I'm like, hold him without bond or, like, don't give him a bond to where he can get out on the fucking trail. Like, 
I don't know how long those charges would have got him sent to jail for, but I feel like maybe more than seven days. Like, he shouldn't have been let out on probation, period. Like, it's, um, I get confused by that, but it's whatever. So the dog was taken at the time of his arrest and was, like, put in a shelter or given to one of his, I don't know. The dog was taken away, but then whenever he got out of jail, he got the dog back. So him and his (laughs) dog were making their way back to the trail when he ran into this guy, uh, Matthew Audie Norman, who is actually the founder of the Hikers Yearbook. So a very, like, super cool dude lives his life on the trail and, like, around that community. He is very much, like, in the center of it. So he, of course, has heard of Jordan. He saw, saw the little, like, mugshot of him being arrested And he recognizes that this dude is trying to go back on the fucking trail. And so he stops him and he's like, hey, man, you know, like trying to be really civil with him. He invites him to dinner. He he takes him and his dog in. He even offers to buy him a Greyhound ticket, uh, which Jordan thankfully fucking accepts. And uh, the dude drives. Yeah, the dude drives him and his dog down 90 miles up to Johnson City or he drove him 90 miles to Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, and Norman had said that he had wanted to drop him off at this specific spot because it was a place where he couldn't, like, find a trail to hop back on to get back to the Appalachian Trail. So his main concern was, like, get this dude out of here so I can keep my community safe. Like, at this point, I feel like he's trying to do more than the fucking cops at this point. Like, he's like, I just yeah. need this guy out of the trail and out of our lives And I'm going to do what I can to do to get it done. Uh, So Jordan had to stay the night with Norman uh, until he could drive him out to the bus stop. So (laughs) this dude, like, had to sleep with a man that literally stabbed someone's sleeping bag and, like, had to sit down and have dinner with him. They, uh, Norman had said that uh, over dinner... Jordan had actually, like, talked about, I guess, his reasoning for acting so crazy on the trail. Uh, Jordan would talk about how the mountain people were being threatened by an infiltrator who was trying to steal their instruments. And so Jordan's... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jordan's <laughs> job was to protect these mountain people from harm. And that's what he was doing by going out onto the trail and harassing everyone. Well, everything just makes sense now. Yeah, pretty much. So on May 3rd, Norman puts Jordan and his dog on the 2.20 p.m. Greyhound bus heading to Maryland. But as soon as the bus makes its first stop, Jordan takes his dog, gets off the bus, and walks back onto the trail. It's a, not Felicia. Not it, Felicia <laughs> had nothing to do with Jordan. She was an innocent bystander, and she went with her food went. Uh, so, but yeah, it's fucking a very reoccurring thing theme with this, and it like one of the, the thing that uh, I compare this to in my mind the most is like. All of the fucking stalking stories that I hear and how it's always like they can say whatever threatening things they want. But like as 
it's not until they lay a hand on you. It's not until like someone gets hurt that the cops can't come in and do their job. And I'm like, at what point are we going to fucking wake up and realize that we need to do more than what we're doing right now? Preventative services, people. Yeah, it's not like you can't just wait for someone to get hurt when there's clearly a guy multiple times. Like, it's not just one hiker it's not just one person on the trail like this whole community knows that this guy is a danger tells the police hey someone's gonna get hurt this guy is a danger and they're literally just like letting him do whatever the fuck they want like you're leaving it up to civilians to try and get him off this trail and clearly like a civilian cannot do what the cop has a cop can do with all of his authoritative power so it's just like fucking running in circles it's so frustrating and like every time i say he goes back on the trail he goes back on the trail it's like it is a literal stab to the trust in the community like how are we supposed to feel protected when we can't even this guy has been roaming around like six weeks this guy had been on out on the trail doing whatever the fuck he wanted harassing whoever he wanted like ruining parts of the trail i mean it's yeah it's it's fucking insane so right after he gets back on the trail of course he goes right back to his same shit he goes into i don't know this word shenandoah shenandoah i believe something like that it's probably sounds like shit it's shenandoah my my just my dyslexic is showing it looks like a really hard word but i guess when i said it it's not that bad so shenandoah national park perhaps um so one of the hikers that was at the shelter that jordan had approached to had described how like the shelter was full there wasn't really a spot for jordan to sleep i also think that they were probably like making it seem like hey don't fucking lay down next to me you're not allowed like go fucking sit at the loser table because no you're not allowed here (laughs) i like back off um so i guess like getting the getting the point that there's no spot for him he decides to sleep like over in a random corner or like in a random section outside of the shelter and he sets up tarp and then kind of uh like, uses medical tape to sanction off his little, like, sleeping area. (laughs) So just doing things that, like, have no logical sense behind it. And to make things worse, he then proceeded to, like, lay there and start just screaming. And if he wasn't screaming, he was, like, talking to himself. Which, I feel bad for the hikers that were, like, a mile out and they just hear fucking screaming in the distance and they're yeah. like what the imagine fuck the ones is that? trying to sleep right next to that too yeah just... not now we're gonna start stop talking about this asshole and get to an actual good person in this story we're gonna talk about ronald ronnie sanchez jr uh so ronald had grown up in garden grove california And he completed 16 years in the army and actually did three tours in Iraq as a combat engineer. Um, Which, major fucking round of applause to Ronald because I hear stories about people doing one tour in Iraq and just coming back completely messed up. So props to him for going back out there, not a second time, but a third time as well. It really, like, speaks to his character and who he was as a person. Um, 
but he did not do it without consequences. Uh, the 43-year-old found himself with multiple knee and back injuries. Um, he had watched multiple soldiers die right in front of his eyes, including a lot that were close friends to him. And so when he found himself retired from the military in 2011, he was left with nothing but major depression and severe PTSD. Uh, he moved to his house out in Oklahoma and proceeded to just be swallowed by his depression. Uh, his ex-wife would say that he found it really hard to leave his house and that he wouldn't even go to the grocery store during the day. He would only go at night because he had such a fear of like being around anyone or being around any type of person or group of people. So this went on for years. He gained a lot of weight, which didn't help with his injuries. He continued to be severely depressed and really like just have a negative mindset and, and just things that I couldn't even fathom. And it wasn't until years of therapy and, uh, help through the Oklahoma's Department of Veteran Affairs that he was able to find a passion for the outdoors and really find something to vent all of his stress and all of those negative thoughts out. Uh, his sister said that he was adventurous and got out of his shell and we're so proud of him. Uh, and we are so proud of that because for a while he was in dar uh, darkness. So Ronnie's life, uh, really took a major turn once he found that outlet. He started to lose the weight. His depression became really easy for him to manage. He found himself uh, going to like regular group hiking trips. He was in a cycling group. He loved to be in the outdoors. He loved to go fishing. I mean, this dude was really starting to turn his life around from a really dark point in his life into a really positive one. He was, he would even go onto forums, like hiking forums, and alert people of, like, good deals in the area of local shops. So people would have <laughs> just, like, a very, very nice guy. Uh, one of the group coordinators said he was always positive and always the sweetest person to talk to, especially on a grueling hike. Ron was the one who always cheered the rest of us on. So, yeah, it's really just warms up my heart. He, I'm really glad that he was able to uh, pull himself out of that and really like find a love for hiking because I don't hike, but I do love sitting outside and looking at the outdoors. So yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine like, nah, I don't know. It's just fucking awesome. He's a fucking yeah, awesome dude. Well, I've heard recreational therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. He actually, um, so when he decided that he wanted to do a through hike, which I had no idea what the fuck that meant. I was just acting like I did. But when I went onto Wikipedia, it's actually a through hike is when you decide to go through like the entire trail in one season. Oh. So you walk the whole damn thing. Um, he was going to do the 2,192 miles from Georgia to Maine. And he really wanted to do this to kind of like prove to himself, uh, hey, I can get past the pain, not only the physical, but the mental pain in my life. And he actually even agreed to participate in a neurological study that traced how long distance hiking helped recovery from PTSD. So he, wow. yeah, he was doing this with a real huge sense of like, not only am I doing this for myself, I'm going to do this for other people. Like I'm, 
it's bigger than just me. So he was a fucking grade A type of dude. Um, So just after the new year of 2019, uh, Ronnie or Sanchez, Ronnie Sanchez decided to head out with his girlfriend at the time and their old dog. And they would, him and his girlfriend would start at, I think I spelled it wrong, so I'm blaming the spelling, not my saying it. Mm -hmm. Emmy Kalola Falls State Park as part of a way. Can't not help you there. Yeah, I'm not even going to spell it. He went to a state park. And um, from there, he spent like a day or two with the girlfriend. And then once they hit Springer Mountain Shelter, Sanchez went on his own and the girlfriend went and proceeded to make the trip back home. So he was out there on a few uh for a few weeks um and he decided to tr- try and make a trail name for himself. He gave himself the trail name Engineer and in his mind he thought it was a good name because it represented himself being unassuming, basic and true, <laughs> which Aww. you don't sound unassuming. You got to give yourself some more credit, but um it wasn't thankfully he ended up meeting a father and daughter hiking duo where he had spent some time with them and actually told him about his time in Iraq and they were like no 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 you're you're not you're not the engineer your trail name is actually stronghold and Aww. it's so cute but he hated <laughs> the name at first he was like don't call me that Everyone's going to think I'm a cocky little asshole. Like, no, I'm not some badass dude giving myself this name. Like, he was really just not liking it. But everyone that he met and everyone who encountered him was like, no, that is such a good fit for you. You need, your name is Stronghold. Like, just shut up with your other nonsense. Mm. You're Stronghold. So he completed the first hundred miles of his hike. And uh, at that point, his knees were kind of giving him some pain. He decided he wanted to take a break, and this happened around mid-March. Now, he ended up staying at the Groder Grove Adventure Hostel, which is a fucking awesome name. I love yeah. it. sounds like it's a good time. And there he befriended the owner, Colin Zen Goder, <laughs> and um, they actually made a really good friendship. He stayed there for quite some time. He uh, Sanchez would help Goder out around the lodging and or like out around the little hostel, and he would get free lodging out of it. So uh, Goder called him a good soul and saying said that he was one of the most genuine people that he had met. And um, yeah, so he stayed with him for a few months. Got some really good advice. He was kind of, like, hesitant as to whether he should go back on on the trail or not. He didn't know if he was going to be able to make it with all of his injuries. Um, But after a lot of back and forth, and with promises to return to Goder when he was done with his trail, Sanchez packed up uh, all of his stuff from the hostel and made his way back out onto the trail. So... He traveled about 466 miles out to Damascus, Virginia. And at, yeah, so he, he fucking went far. Like that. Yeah. That's a lot of numbers. So. Yeah. After only doing like a hundred or so. Yeah. You know, to go like right that. in and do 466. Like, and he was already feeling pain. So yeah, it's dude's a badass. So, uh, at that point he decided that his injuries were too much. So at this point it's mid April and he's like, 
really in the, his mind is like telling him, I do not think that I can do this. I need to go home. Uh, he actually called his girlfriend, Kelly, at the time and told her that he thought that the trail may be too much for him. And, you know, like, it, I'm fucking lonely out here, which it takes a really long time to hike 2,000 miles. So I can definitely imagine the head games that will play with you at uh, at a time. And she, you know, kind of told him, I think that you can finish the trail, but if you don't think that you can, that is completely fine. Kind of like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You listen to yourself and you do what you think is right. And so at that time he decided, you know, like, I just don't think I can. I can't do it. Come pick me up. So she uh, drove over to Virginia. She got him, took him back to Oklahoma. And then like all of five days later, he's like, I can just imagine him like sitting on the couch being like, what the fuck am I doing? there's a there's a trail out there with my name written all over it and i just fucking left and so he's like no fuck that i'm gonna prove these people wrong i am gonna get my butt up there and i'm gonna complete the trail so hell yeah he takes some time to kind of like really gather himself and prep him for the shit you know he's done a little bit of it he knows what to expect and he has his girlfriend drive him back out to damascus where he starts his journey again out on the trail. He meets uh, with, up with a friend, Bob Walker, uh, right? I believe, like, they meet in town. They sleep at a hostel. Uh, they get start hiking, and they uh, go into, like, little sleeping shelters. I believe they meet up around the 5th. Yeah. Um, and it's not until the 9th that they decide to part ways and say goodbye. Uh, Sanchez at that time decided that he didn't want to sleep in the shelters anymore. He wanted to actually go out and sleep in tent for I, that, some portion of his travel. So. Why do I feel like this is going to bite him in the butt? It's so, yeah. I think that's what's mm-hmm. more sad about it is... Uh, he was home and then something pulled him back out onto the trail and like, I don't know. but yeah, so on the ninth, Sanchez and Walker decide to part ways. He wants to go off and uh, camp in his tent. So at some point when he separates from Walker, he meets up with three other hikers And all of them make their way into Jefferson National Forest out in western Virginia. And from there, they encounter a man on the trail stating that he was acting disturbed and unstable. He was playing guitar and he was singing. And his name was James Jordan. Motherfucker. It's, yeah. So they see this guy. Uh... It's kind of hard to say. Obviously, they had to be somewhat aware of what was going out on out on the trail. So once they see him, they kind of go like, you know, we're not going to go near this guy. We are going to keep walking, keep going as far as we can just to get away out of the area. So they set up camp a few miles out near Mount Rogers National Recreation Area. And from there, they decide, you know, this is a good spot. Um... Uh, We'll set our temps, tents up, get in, go to sleep for the night. Um, so once they settle down and are starting to get ready for bed, James Jordan pops out of the woods 
and proceeds to start making noises and slowly makes his way towards the tent. Yeah. Once he gets close enough, he starts telling them through the tent that he's going to pour gasoline all over their tents and burn them alive. (sighs) Fucking terrified, they got out of the tent (laughs) and they decided that they needed to get it, which is probably the right thing to do because I, I have terrible, like when you think of, oh, am I a flight or fight person? I... No, I'm automatically the person that fucking goes in the corner and cries. Like, I don't move. I don't run away. I don't fight. I just sit there and cry. And so they pop out of the tent. um, And I guess they kind of like start to get in an altercation. They're like, what are you doing? You need to go. You need to back off. And at this point, Jordan garnishes that big ass 17 to 20 inch knife that he has. And he starts charging at them so at this point two of the hikers decide that they are going to make a run for it they start heading northbound out on the trail and jordan decides to follow them like going full speed so these two hikers are literally running for their lives down the trail and thankfully it's not really said how but at some point they're able to kind of shake jordan off and they turn around and kind of realize like he's not following any me anymore the coast is clear and so at that time they pull out their phones and they make a 911 call at 2:30 a.m. to report uh what's going on uh to report what's going on and that they need when it's dark like fucking and I don't know if there was, like, a full moon, but if there was no moon, like, it is pitch fucking black. Like, you have stars, but that ain't really nothing. And then you have all that dense forest around you. Like, ooh, No, thank you. So, once Jordan realizes that he cannot catch up to these two hikers and that there's just, like, no way that he's going to be able to harass them... He turns around and decides to go back to the campsite where all of the hikers originally were. And at that time, Sanchez is still there with a female hiker trying to break down their tents and gather everything so that they can leave and get out of there. So at this point, Jordan walks back onto the scene. He starts a verbal altercation with uh, Sanchez And at this point, Sanchez is pulling out his phone and stating that he's going to call the cops. Uh, He goes to make an SO to uh, to ping an emergency SOS signal when at that point, Jordan charges him and begins stabbing him repeatedly in the upper torso. Uh, No. Ronnie falls to the ground as the female hiker is watching this whole thing right before her eyes. And as soon as she sees Ronnie drop, she kind of realizes, like, there's no help for me here. I need to get out of here as fast as possible. So she turns and starts to run away. Jordan, kind of, real like, not no longer having the threat of Ronald, decides to follow her and starts chasing her. And once he gets close enough to her... And she realizes what's about to happen. She turns to face her attacker, raises her arms as if she's surrendering. And then Jordan proceeds to stab her multiple times in her arm and torso area. Oh, no. Yeah. So she's 
a fucking bad bitch and decides to fall on the ground and play dead. Oh, good. Oh, my God. Rule number one, bitches. Yeah, so she decides to lay on the ground and play dead. And thankfully, Jordan, like, sees her go down and just in his mind, he's like, cool, I don't have to worry about this girl anymore. Let's go find my dog. So he turns back and goes uh, back to the crime scene, supposedly looking for his dog. Um, He ends up dropping the knife around the crime scene and then proceeds to walk off kind of, I guess, uh, towards like wherever. So well, (laughs) wherever he can fucking find I don't even know. So he starts walking down the trail kind of random. So uh, once Jordan leaves to go back to the campsite, this girl has to go back down the trail to towards Smith County, where she eventually runs into the two hikers that were originally with her. They pick her up. And from there, they have to hike six miles <sighs> to actually reach Smith County where they are finally able to call 911 and get her taken to a hospital in Briston, Tennessee. Holy crap. I walk to my fucking fridge and I am out of breath. You cannot tell me that after being stabbed multiple times, I need to hike six miles so I can get help. Uh, yeah, she's a badass. That is fucking insane. Thankfully, she's taken to the hospital. She's treated for her injuries. She does survive. Thank the Lord. She used her brain and did everything right in that situation that she could and was able to get out. Uh, So at this point, they make the call to 911 around 3, 12 in the morning, um, letting them know what happened, that yes, there is someone now injured on the trail and that police need to get out there right away. While this is going on and she is being taken to the hospital, Jordan actually finds another group of hikers in a tent and begins shouting at them, stating that he needs a flashlight. Now, (laughs) I need to fucking see. I can't find my knife anymore or I can't (laughs) find my dog. Please help me. The hikers had actually heard the screams that were coming from the other campers, which... I would fucking be shitting in my pants. We were literally just talking about this. If I hear someone (laughs) screaming in the distance, like I am, I'm taking a Xanax and I'm going to bed. I'm nothing is going to happen to me in between that time. My mental brain can like my mental health cannot take that. That is way too much. (laughs) So, uh, there was actually a article I read where like, they had actually unzipped the tent to, like, hand him a knife, which my mind is a like... A knife or a flashlight? Or, oh, sorry, a flashlight. Because <laughs> my, like, my brain is fucking exploding. If you were to tell me, like, that they actually unzipped... And I could... If they handed him a flashlight, like, his hand is fucking bloody. He just got done Ugh. stabbing two people. And he's like, thank you, sir, for the flashlight. <laughs> like... Fuck me. I could not deal with that. So another article I read said that they just stayed in the tent and like didn't talk to him or really didn't try to do anything. I would like to think that the second one really happened because uh, that is way less scary for my dreams. But uh, I, I really don't know. But 
At this point, tactical officers from the Wythe County Sheriff's Office are reaching the SOS signal. So Sanchez was actually able to successfully send out that signal right before he was stabbed. Uh, So they were able to get with the phone company and do their little ping science stuff and were able to get a location, but they still had to hike the four miles to get to the crime scene. So by the time they got there, it's like 614 on Saturday morning. So on May 11th, they're, or May 10th, sorry, May 11th. One of those days, they're finally out there on the, at the crime scene and it's like daybreak. Um, So at the crime scene, they do find the lifeless body of 43-year-old Ronnie Sanchez, who had died from his injuries as all of this was going on. And uh, they did find the bloody knife that was pretty close to his body. And they also found a dog at the crime scene. But this isn't just any dog. It's our Felicia. It's our girl Felicia. And what does she do? Like the good little girl she is she's like yo my owner hasn't been giving me treats i'm gonna take you right (laughs) to him and actually leads him to jordan where he is like just a few yards away from that tent still with the terrified couple in it and is just like kind of standing there chill so he thankfully does surrender peacefully but when the cops go up to i guess like put the handcuffs on him and arrest him he goes I'm so glad you got here just in time. Somebody was just standing over my head with a rock. Uh. Which, if I were the officer, I'd be like, okay, can you put the handcuffs on yourself, please? I don't want to <laughs> be fucking near you. So, they get him arrested. Fucking finally get him off the trail. Un- it's bad. Finally. Finally. It only took over six weeks but sucks because this is one of those things that like he could if he had got the proper help it could have all been prevented you it, know? it could have so easily been avoided and it's not possibly i guess yeah. i i guess like there's always going to be that one percent of like no matter how perfect something is we live in a world with humans so there will always be room for error but it this should not have gone on as long as it had. It is literally the same with, like, the stalker thing. Like, you... Why do we have to wait until someone is dead to get something done? Why does it always have to come to that? Like, all of the signs were there. All of the flags were there. This guy should have been in jail. If not, he should have been in a mental... He shouldn't have been in jail. He should have been in a mental health facility where he was getting proper treatment for his illness. And it's just fucking upsetting. And it's just one of those that you, at the end of the day, are left, like, scratching your head thinking, like, is this really how our society works? But it's just... It is what it is. Unfortunately, there's really, like, nothing that you can do about it. It's already happened. But I would hope to think that, like, after this, the police out on the trail take these threats a little more seriously the next time around. But yeah, I hope so. I mean, because it's it's so recent and you'd think that maybe some crimes have happened out there before, maybe not frequently because of the community expectations. But 
I mean, even just with um, crimes within national parks, aside from the Appalachian Trail, like, they shouldn't at least know how to handle some of that. Yeah. And I know it's crazy because of the jurisdictions and... But Ugh, like wild. this isn't this isn't the first murder that's happened on the trail. Like you're you're right. There has it's hard to say the amount. Um, but as for people that have actually like been murdered out there, I want to say it's like there are two or three more like well known cases that were popping up while I was doing this research about it. One of them is like unsolved and would be good to do for another time. But wow. they. They aren't new to the thought of someone being murdered out on the trail. Like, it is something that has happened before, but never has it been to such this extent where, like, everyone knew that this was going to happen. Like, you're calling it from a mile away, and it's literally like, sorry, we're not going to do anything about it. You just got to fucking sit here and watch it happen, which is, like, more punishment to the people than it it's just yeah and my heart goes out to the victims families it's like when you hear about everything that just happened and you're like this my family member could still be here but because of the lack of action within not even within the community just within the police department it's like what what do you do but they finally got him in custody they finally give him a actual month uh mental health evaluation where he is People are like, yeah, this dude is unstable. And I'm like, yeah, well, someone could have said this like 20 years ago, but say la vie, here we are. So they <laughs> declare him mentally incompetent to stand trial and basically say like, go and get help until you can figure out and like acknowledge that what you did was bad. So they send him out to the Bureau of uh, Prisons Federal Medical Center out in Butner, North Carolina. And it is not until May 21st of 2020 that he's deemed competent to stand trial. Now, there was a psychiatric report that was filed whenever they did deem him competent, but it is sealed. So there's no way Mm. that my ass is going to be able to see it. But if you want to hop on the dark web or do some crazy shit, (laughs) you could find it. I'll pretend like I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, well, shit, he probably f- got on some medication. Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, definitely for sure he's on something. Whenever the judge had asked him... Uh, he, so he's being charged with murder and assault with intent to commit murder. I do believe that there's, like, another layer to that charge because it his, the crime was, like, committed in a national park. So I, I yeah. think that has, like, a little layer added to it. But whenever uh, the judge had, like, basically told him, hey, these are all the charges that you are being charged with. What do you have to say to that? And he goes, I understand the charges, Your Honor. So, I mean, the guy sounds sane. That's, uh, yeah. at least it seems like he's getting some, he's finally getting the help that he needs. It just sucks that, like, yeah. you someone shouldn't have to die in order for you to get help. Like, it, that just right. seems a little wrong in my mind. But they have a... A pre-trial date set for, I believe, July 19th, but from what I've recently read, they are trying to get it pushed back. I know, like, his public defender wants it moved to the 7th, September 7th, but I also... Of 21, right? Of 21, 2021, which is this year. Um, (laughs) And then... Today is 420, 2021. (laughs) 420, 2021. Uh, Happy 420, everyone out there. What a... 
what a great way to start off the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're the, but not the, the, yeah, the prosecutors, the prosecutors are saying that they are willing to, uh, have it scheduled as far back as August 24th, 2021. And I believe this is just like the pre-trial hearing. It's not even like the actual hearing. So it'll be a couple of months before we get really any kind of update on this. I know like it is very, uh, very normal for courts to push back dates, especially now in the post, well, not post, we're still living in it, but in this COVID era, it is uh, really hard yeah. to get shit done in the justice system, at least trial-wise. Uh, but enough about this guy. So, well, he is being held at the Southwest Virginia Regional Jail in Abingdon. But, yeah, enough about him. The A.T. Tramley really gathered around at this time of grief and... Uh, <laughs> A.T. Tramley? Yeah, I was like, that's not funny. Yes, it's Tram. It's so fucking cute. That took me a minute, sorry. And I wish we could be this punny. I wish I was this punny in real life. You know how fucking hard it was to name this podcast? I really don't think that anyone understands. We went through so many goddamn names, and then you have people out here making A.T. Tramley, just pulling it out of their ass like it's nothing. I'm like, that is a cute fucking name. How do y'all think of that? Right. I don't know. But they all uh, gathered together, the little tramley, and decided to have a vigil for the fallen hikers. And it's actually like a tradition among the trail community that if there's a hiker that can't continue the journey for whatever reason, that uh, people will carry a photo or they'll have a piece of gear that they travel with uh, and they'll take with them out on the mountain uh, as a way to like commemorate that person on their hike. But the what people say for the most part is that the only true way to honor the an appalachian a former appalachian trail hiker is to finish the trail itself for them so i just got goosebumps yeah there is a cycling group uh that sanchez was a part of right before he went out on the trail that is actually wanting to complete strongholds through hike and one of the girls that is organizing the group Uh, I believe her name was Susan, had this to say about Ronald. Uh, She stated that... uh, Sorry, I'm blind in one eye. (laughs) She stated that Ron was a hero in the war. Ron was a hero in the VA. And he died a hero out on the trails. And that is the devastating fucking murder of... Ronald Ronnie Sanchez Jr. out on the Appalachian Trail. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, as exciting and awesome hiking that trail sounds. This story makes me think twice. <laughs> I mean, I would probably... I've talked about doing it, but then uh, I actually hike a mile and I'm like, you know... Yeah, like, maybe I'd hike one of the trails that leads to the Appalachian Trail. I don't think I could do the whole thing. Depending on how long those are. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. See, I, I'm i in Texas, so my persona of how big a state is is vastly skewed. <laughs> I think it takes, like, four days to get out of anywhere by car. So maybe it would be a little different hiking on a trail, but I think it would definitely 
be cool to hike it. And I mean, fuck, if we ever do, we for sure gotta say a little prayer for Ronnie and finish oh, part yeah, of that little hike for him. Fallen uh, victims of the trail for sure. If we, you know, if we get there, but it's a big if. You know, <laughs> we uh, we can commemorate them in other ways. We will. Uh, do a little cheers right now for them, but cheers, until, cheers. Until then, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll gather the courage to go on this hike. But until then, we will definitely drink that sorrow away. Well, thank you for listening to Red Rum and Red Wine. Yeah, thank you, Kristen, for your story. That I like. I'm still left a little speechless because it was so. You know, one death is as bad as many deaths, but. Even though there was only one actual murder victim, still so much happened. So and it was just wild. So literally. many people were affected by it. So it's yeah. really like a whole community really was sh- like shook to the ground. It's so insane. Like I kept reading this and I was like, no way is this dude going to get back on the trail. And he keeps going back on. It's like, it's pure insane madness. And it's crazy that cases out here exist like that and that's I think another thing that drove me in is I hope Felicia's okay you know I think she is I think that they took good care of her (laughs) you know what she turned that hoe in she was like I'm tired of him can you please she's like arrest him this hoe gives me no pets she doesn't tell me that I'm a good girl doesn't give me any belly scratches I need help and y'all are going to do it for me. So it's, I wasn't able to get any research over what happened to Felicia afterwards, but I would like to think that she is in a amazing home. She's having so many belly rubs and she's being told that she's a great girl because she was able to do more than the cops did in one night. Is that bad of me to say (laughs) the cops? Some of them were really genuinely like, sad about it they were like oh you know we really did try our best our hands were tied but i'm at the same time I'm like but were you though were, were you really but like really? you couldn't have planted something like you do with all the other people out there you couldn't have just said yeah. you know we'll we'll hold you on this you're being a little cuckoo town now you just let them go around i'm like okay so we'll see but until next time which next time y- next time will be your story sarah yeah, it'll be my turn. I don't no, have to talk. <laughs> I can get drunk. I'm so excited. Yeah. This, it's been nice uh, listening to you for the first go around. Yeah, it was, times three. It, it was fucking terrible doing it the first three times around. But if that's any indication for how this podcast is going to go, you know, I, I think we'll have all of five years and it's going to be great. So... Yeah, I mean, even if we have one, please, please, someone, you know, like, comment, subscribe. Should we do a shameless plug? We like, (laughs) yes, I was going to say we do like constructive criticism. Please just don't be mean. And if you're giving us constructive criticism, give us five stars because it's the least you could do. (laughs) Please, please. Um, But yeah, if you want to do that, we have a Twitter R-A-R-W podcast. And we have an Insta, the same. 
we're uh, like two beers deep or two topos deep. <laughs> so we will have everything linked down below for sure. But be sure to go and check it out. I will post some photos of what Jordan looked like, what Ronnie looked like, kind of like the length of the trail. So there will be photos linked or like whatever, similar to this case that you can go and check out. It's not just a bunch of boring nonsense. We'll we'll yeah. give some quality content. Maybe, maybe a map. Hell yeah. Yeah, a little map a something, something to throw a little pizzazz. Something so y'all can look at your phone while you're in the car driving and listening to this podcast. <laughs> Real safe advice. Please don't oh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that. You're going to get us sued before we even make money. <laughs> On that note... Cheers! Red rum and red wine. <laughs> <laughs>